Welcome to the Ion Ryan Show, a satellite orbiting the worlds of tech, toys, pro wrestling, and pop culture. Here is your host, Ion Ryan. Hola amigos and welcome to another episode of the Ion Ryan Show. I want to thank the Wee Pod Squad guys for uh, filling in for me a little bit as I tackled uh, this thing called life. <laughs> it was actually funny. I texted Sean and Greg in a panic. I was like, oh my gosh, guys, I have so much going on. I really, I'm not going to be able to do an episode. Uh, the stress was bearing down on me. I didn't know what the heck to do. So I did what any sane adult does. And that is I ran off to Disney World. Um, I decided to take one of my nephews. I took the 13-year-old nephew because uh, in our family we do some various traditions. Like my mom takes my nephews to New York when they're 7 or 8 years old. I forget which one it is. Um, so I'm like, alright, we're going to do a thing where I'm going to take you on a trip that requires an airplane when you turn 13. So I'm safe for another couple of years uh, and then I will have Rocker and then I will have a couple more years and I will have Asher and Six at the same time uh, and thank God I've got a decade uh, almost uh, for for Clara, uh, the little one. So uh, yeah, that uh, that's what I did guys. I took a little bit of time off uh, from the podcast. I took a little bit of time off from work. I took a little bit of time off from life. Um, Believe it or not, uh, I'm sure you do, because why wouldn't you? Uh, in one week, I turn 33 years old. Yes, December 10th, 121086. So I will be hitting the big 3-3 milestone, which is a milestone for just about nothing. Um, but as I come to uh, to another birthday, as I really start to come towards the end of the year, I look back on what a transformative year it has been. My career has fundamentally changed Uh Almost every aspect of my life uh, has shifted massively in one way or another. Um, and it's always interesting if you, when you're a December baby uh, because you're like, uh, again, you're ending the year, you're, you're reaching your birthday. So, uh, you know, I am concluding my 33 year, uh, my 33rd rotation of uh, this thing uh, called Earth. So, um, yeah, it's funny. A lot of times people will be like, oh, my gosh, I can't, you know. Uh, so I'm entering. This is the last day of my 33rd year on the planet next week, right? 1210. Uh, and then the next day is the start of my 34th rotation on the planet. So, uh, yeah, that's nice and confusing because, like, when you turn one on your first birthday, it's the end of your first year. Uh, so this is the end of my 33rd year, not the start of my 33rd year. And as I said, with it being such a transformative year for me in every possible way, I, I started to think uh, about my life, you know, my whole darn life, all the things that have changed. Now, of course, I could sit here and run through personal milestones, but instead, I've decided to turn this into a very special edition of the Ion Ryan Show, where we look back on... Uh, what things were like when a lot of us were kids. I figure our average podcast listeners between the ages of 25 and 45, so you'll understand a lot of these things. Uh, for our younger crowd, maybe you're going to learn a few things in there, but we're going to take a look back on what it was like when we were kids, and we are going to talk about the things that kids just won't understand, right? There was that famous, uh, famous Will Smith song, uh, which kids will not understand, which is called Parents Just Don't Understand. 
Uh, so we're going to call this episode, the kids just won't understand or something like that. I'll check that lyric. So I've actually solicited a couple of, of opinions here on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm Ion Ryan. That's I-O-N-R-Y-A-N. Uh, so our first response comes from really uh, one of the rock stars, the extended family of the Weepod squad, and that is our buddy Damien. So uh, Damien's reply here, his first one, first of many, he sent me a couple is uh, <laughs> saying bye to someone when leaving school and <laughs> not have any idea what their night looked like. Um, yeah, I mean, that right there is a great jumping off point for uh, personal interaction as well as uh, the way that we communicate. Okay, I actually had a conversation today with a young lady from Manor College. Her name was Ashley. She was lovely, and uh, we were just talking about what, and uh, I hope this doesn't get her in trouble, Um uh, we were talking about like student essays, right? I have a friend who works in admissions at a massive Philadelphia university. And he has recently told me like, man, it's really fascinating to see how many of these kids deal with something that's near and dear to my heart, uh, being a little depressed or being a little anxious or, you know, having some form of PTSD. Uh, now this is all very heavy, but basically what I said to Ashley of Manor College was I said, Ash, I said, you know, one of the really interesting things about these kids that are having these gargantuan struggles, uh, in particular during high school, um, is when they go home, they're not getting away from anybody, right? You can still, it pops up on the phone, right? I run the Instagram for, for the high school that I work at and it's blah, 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 wants to send you a message. And oftentimes it's a kid from a rival school just messaging our Instagram and being like, hey, you suck. And I think about what it would be like to be a poor kid nowadays where all of your problems, you know, at school, if you will, um, they follow you home. If there's somebody that's being a bully to you or whatever, uh, they can message you and harass you. And that's a little definitely depressing and anxiety inducing. Uh, I actually told the, the girl from Manor College about how right where we were standing, there was two brothers. Uh, it was the Hill brothers. Uh, one of them is an MMA fighter nowadays. He is a gargantuan man. I don't know what the other one does, but I believe they were twins and, uh, they used to like pick on me. Maybe one of them did. I don't even know, but they would always pick on me in freshman year of high school. So I just knew to like avoid that one hallway and uh, the occasional times that I did run into them and they were like making fun of me or whatever. Um, I would, I would just take it. And once I got past their lockers, I it was all done. It was all over. But I think a lot of uh, interaction has changed nowadays. And the, and I think we all experience this even with work. But like, you can't really divide up your life anymore, right? It used to be you would wake up at home, okay? And th that would be your home life. You'd be there with your family and uh, then you would have your commute, okay? And then you would go to work or you would go to school, okay? And that was one little part of your life. And then once you left there, it was fundamentally over and you were back to being uh, your, your own person and you were back to being with your family in your house, in your comfort zone with an element of privacy. Uh, that's gone folks. That that's something that the kids will never understand. As a matter of fact, uh, somebody just text messaged me. Um, and of course, you know, I'm Ion Ryan. So I am recording this the Monday before it airs, uh, late at night. Uh, but somebody just text messaged me and said, I hope it's not too late to text you, but here's a work question. 
And I looked at it, I was like, oh, gee, golly. And then a minute later, one of my employees texted me the same thing. Hey, I know it's late, but I got a question for you. And then finally, I was I was the guilty party, and I messaged one of my coworkers. I said, can you check this link and make sure that this works? Here we are, past 9 o'clock on a Monday night, uh, and I've had three work text messages right now. That's bearable because I'm an adult. I mean, I deal with it. But Email and text messaging has changed the way that we communicate and young people will never understand that you used to be able to leave school or later work and have no idea what the other person was doing with their life. You weren't seeing them on social media. You weren't easily able to communicate with them uh, outside of school. I mean, you could get home and call them, but a lot of times you'd be tying up the home the home phone and maybe a sibling or a parent would want to get on the phone or maybe they would want to, you know, get on the internet because uh, back in those days, our internet came in through our phone and I hope kids know this. Maybe they don't, but yeah, when I was on the internet, if my mom picked up the phone, it would, it would either kick me off or um, it would... Uh, it would make a god awful noise in her ear because um, my computer was connected to the internet via the phone, uh, the phone line, and only one person and one thing could be on there at any given moment. Um, and when you live in a family of three or four or five, it was it was hard to get some phone time. So yeah, I would say goodbye to my friends and peace, and uh, they would say peace, and uh, I wouldn't know what they were doing, what they were up to, and they wouldn't know how to get. Uh, in touch with me until really the following day, unless it was an emergency. Uh, but speaking of the phone thing, uh, this comes from my friend Jim Morris, and I love I love Jim's answer. <laughs> Calling a girl on her house phone, asking her dad if she can come to the phone. Uh, so I remember I had a girlfriend in sixth grade. Her name was Nicole. I'm sure she's listening to world-famous podcaster Ion Ryan right now. But um, Nicole, uh, her mom would let her have a boyfriend, but her dad would not let her have a boyfriend. Now, what sixth-grade relationships were like, I don't quite remember. Uh, I'm sure they're different than what sixth-grade relationships are like now. But I remember one time I was down in Disney World, ironically, uh, you know, because I was just there. And there was this room. It was like the phone room where you could go in. This was a big Disney thing down at uh, downtown Disney, Disney Springs. And you could go into this room and on the wall, there was these gigantic numbers and it was a functioning phone. So you would go and you would hit two, one, five, whatever, whatever, whatever. So, uh, I was like, well, I'm going to call like my kind of girlfriend. And my dad's like, okay, son. Uh, but also on the wall was a whole bunch of like graphics that if you hit them, they would make noises. So it was kind of like a massive soundboard. You would, I imagine, you know, call mom and press the button that, uh, would make a goofy noise or whatever. And she would laugh and be like, how cool is this? Uh, but so the problem was I called Nicole who wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend. And, um, if her dad ever answered, uh, which I guess her dad usually used to get home at four or five or six. So I knew like I could leave school at two 30 and call her at like three 30. And then she'd have to be off the phone. Cause if I called anytime after four, I might encounter her dad. Uh, well, I guess he was off the day that I was in Disney world and I was in sixth grade and I, I called her and I panicked cause her father answers the phone and a boy is calling home. And it's like, who is this? Uh, and my dad ran into the room and starts hitting all the sound effects on the wall. And, uh, the one, it was like a little poof of air. So you hit it. It's just, 
it's a fart button. So this girl, my sixth grade girlfriend, who's not allowed to have a boyfriend at, you know, her father's instruction, who is secretly dating me, who I have to secretly call at certain hours so as to avoid her dad. Um, yeah, uh, my dad runs into the room and, you know, hello. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. And then all of a sudden it's just fart, 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 fart. And, um, yeah, I, I was like, that's it. That's the end of my sixth grade relationship. She didn't break up with me at that time. I think we made it to Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. And, um, or whatever the second one was. Uh, and then shortly after that, we broke up, which was a bummer. Uh, but our relationship survived that phone call. So yes, as Jim said, kids will never understand the fact that you, uh, you had to like go through your, uh, significant others, siblings and parents in order to communicate with them when you called the house. Cause you never knew who was going to answer, uh, in that same vein, on my birthday, I'm spending it with my friend Lisa and my friend Casey, who I haven't seen in like years. Um, but we used to get together like every Tuesday back in like our early 20s. So we're bringing that back uh, for a special birthday celebration. Um, but I remember Lisa and Casey, uh, Lisa would be like downstairs and she would be on like one phone and then Casey would be upstairs and she'd be on another and then they would call me. And most of the times my sisters would answer and one summer uh, my sister's who one's five years older than me, one's 10 years older than me. So we're going back to the time when I'm probably like 13 years old, about 20 years ago. Um, and so my one sister was 18. The other one was like 23. Maybe that math doesn't work out because, um, but whatever the case is, Lisa and Casey would always call the house. And um, my sister's like nicknamed them Bianca. Uh, so um, there's these two girls who I was like, you know, it was cool. Two girls were calling my house and, um, my sisters called them Bianca number one and Bianca number two. And, uh, every single time that Lisa or Casey called my house, my sisters would answer the phone and be like, who is this Bianca number one or Bianca number two? Uh, so can you only imagine if every single text message that you sent to your significant other, uh, had to go through their sibling first or their parent first, um, in order to get approved for, uh, you know, you to be able to talk to them. Uh, that was another thing really at the dawn of cell phone usage is, uh, you weren't sure you would save everyone on your phone. I would save, you know, Ryan's cell, Greg's cell, Sam's cell. Um, but before I did that, sometimes I would just save it as like Damien, but the number that I had in my phone and the number that Damien gave me or input, uh, cause this was before text messaging. It was still like when you were calling people right when you first, right when we first got cell phones, um, I just assume that the number that Damien put in or Greg put in or Sam put in would be their cell phone number. So like some nights it'd be 1030 or 11 o'clock and I would like want to call them and I would just hit Greg and I would just call Greg. Uh, but sometimes Greg never didn't have a cell phone. So when he gave me his phone number, he was actually giving me his house number. Now this didn't happen specifically with Greg, but it happened with a lot of like a lot of girls and friends and whatever uh, over the years. And I would think I was calling Greg at 11 o'clock and I would get his cell phone, his private number, and it would like ring his house phone and mom or dad would answer like, hello, 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 who, who is this? Hello, is everything okay? And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. You know, I just woke up my friend's parents. Um, so yeah, that's one thing that kids will never understand is the direct line of communication. Uh, and we can unpack that a million other ways, but I love Jim's suggestion there from Instagram. Uh, so let me pull up a couple more that I got here. Um, 
Uh, okay, my one friend Vanessa just sent me one that says, being tethered to video game consoles. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good one. We can all, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it, you used to only have, what was the cord? Four to five feet, six feet at the most. Uh, so you had to sit basically next to your friend because you had the same cord length or you would have to like grab the console out of your entertainment center and like pull it down onto the floor and you better clean that up before mom gets home or she'll get mad. Um, Also, like throwing a controller uh, was very dangerous because, um, I mean, it's still dangerous. You could still break a window, break your TV or whatever, but there was a cord attached to it. So whatever that cord was attached to when you threw the controller, all that was coming with it. So again, the consoles coming with it, the uh, TV, the yeah. Um, thankfully, that never happened to me because I always am able to maintain my cool slash always win video games. But I like that one. Uh, the next one is knocking for. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, kids, again, this goes back to the whole communication thing, but this just shows how that's an endless conversation to be had. Um, I would wake up and if I wanted to be, I guess, like surprised or I didn't have somebody's phone number or I would call their house and their phone was busy because their mom or sister or dad or whoever was on the phone, um, you would have to go knock for the person, which means you would have to walk or you'd have to hop on your bike and, um, yeah, meander your way to your friend's house and knock right on the door and somebody would answer or somebody wouldn't and, uh, you know, say, oh, is blah, blah, blah home. Um, and you wouldn't know what the answer would be. And then once you came face to face with that person, it was kind of like, do you want to hang out? Can I come in? Do you want to come to my house? You want to go ride bikes again? Think about how many text messages you get that you don't respond to. Imagine if all of those were just knocks on the door, (laughs) the unsolicited, you know, um, text messages from old friends or whatever. And yeah, just somebody shows up at your house. Now, again, you're a kid, so you're not expected to have all these like, crazy social norms of, okay, come on in. Can I get you a drink? So on and so forth. But, um, you could just say like, I don't want to hang out. Or you could tell your older sibling, like, don't answer the door. It's, it's blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to see them or or tell them I'm not home. Um, but then I remember like knocking for some friends and be like, their mom's car's here and their dad's car's here. Uh, you know, and you would know if they were home or not. Uh, sometimes that would, that would uh, be the deciding factor if you were even going to like get off your bike and go up all the steps and knock for them. But that's just something that kids will never understand. And really a lot of adults have probably kind of forgotten about it. But again, could you just imagine you guys see, I always joke and I always post up on my Instagram, like how many emails and text messages I, I have to go through. Uh, just imagine if every single one of those was a knock at the door and that person was showing up at your house to have that conversation. Uh, and again, if they're like, okay, so what do you want to do? And you'd have to make a decision on the spot that would determine how you spent the remainder of your day. So, uh, let, let me, let's see what Vanessa's, um, third one is. Yeah. Asking if someone can come out and play. Sorry. It was the same thing as knocking for, I, I missed that. Uh, but again, uh, now you can go directly to the source, but you want to hang out, you want to hang out. Um, but, yeah, there was always that moment of saying, going to mom and dad and being like, you would be at the person's house and it can blah, 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 come in. And like, if mom had laundry on the couch or something, she may be like, no, go outside and play. Like the house is a mess. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think that's so endearing that at one point we had to 
interact face to face more frequently, uh, sometimes uh, almost begrudgingly, sometimes really excitedly. I, I remember sometimes there's people that live almost like across town, if you will. We live in Philadelphia. It's really not that far, but they live like a mile away. And they were the people that came to knock for me because they they didn't even have my phone number, but they remembered you know where I lived because they came to my house for a birthday party or something one time uh, and it would be like whoa oh my gosh who are these people so it was it was kind of fun to to be surprised to see who was showing up at your door um, let me see what some of these other ones say um, I love this one from John Gillen who John Gillen I absolutely adore um, but it says uh, what it was like uh, to work a VCR slash go to a blockbuster. He asked if he was off topic. No, he is not. Uh, this is a big one for me, guys. Christmas is around the corner. And I basically have said to all my nieces and nephews, like, hey, what do you guys want for Christmas? Like gift cards. Uh, because, you know, the problem is the point of entry to fun for a lot of these kids is those cell phones or those iPads or, in some cases, those gaming computers. Well, once mom or dad has kind of helped you pay that entrance fee, um, so much of your content is suddenly digitized. And, I, and I'll wait for somebody else to talk about one of the other forms of multimedia, but um, just movies in general. You know, like I would always ask my aunt and uncle, like, oh, can you get me... Austin and Powers on VHS, or can you get me uh, this DVD? Uh, that's not really a gift that people give anymore. I wouldn't give my nieces or nephews a DVD because on one hand, they probably wouldn't even know what to do with it at this point. I mean, they kind of know that discs go in a lot of their, uh, a lot of like, you know, PlayStation or whatever. Um, but I don't know if my sister has a DVD player set up anymore because so much of their content is just totally on demand, which, you know, kind of brings us in a roundabout way to Disney Plus, which uh, we're going to do. Am I allowed to like announce this here? Can I say this? Sean, Greg, Sam, they're I, they're waving in their cars right now. Unbeknownst to them that I recorded this 12 hours before they're reacting. But um, I think we're going to do a Mandalorian roundtable where I think the four of us from the We Pod Squad are going to sit down and talk about the Mandalorian. Uh, but, you know, I watch that on Disney Plus, which is just through my television. I turn on my TV. I'm magically connected to the Internet. And boom, I'm watching uh, the Mandalorian. Uh, kids will never understand that at one point in our lives, there was the TV that we had on television. Um, and that was depending on how you grew up financially or when you grew up, that was anywhere from, I don't know, 10 channels up to maybe a hundred, I guess, you know, the cable boxes we had when we were kids were just double digit. So I know they didn't go above a hundred. But you would flip through TV, and if there was nothing good on, because remember, you would have to flip through TV. That's one my sister sent earlier. Um, we used to have to get a TV guide. You'd get TV guide delivered to your house, and you could open it up and say, like, okay, on Friday night at 9 o'clock, they are playing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, I am going to be in front of my television for that moment. And you would you would write it down. Or I remember we, uh, again, I alluded to the fact that I had two older sisters. Um, we would have a different color highlighter and we would each get our turn with the TV guide and we would try and determine, okay, you're going to get to watch TV on this day and this is what you're watching. Cause I guess we only had one cable box in our house growing up. Uh, so when you're talking about Nickelodeon or cartoon network, 
uh, you had to have a cable box. It couldn't just be the through the air television that, that was three, six, ten, or well, I guess, cause I don't know where you're listening from, but like ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, uh, growing up, that was three, six, 10 and 15, um, on our cable boxes. So yeah, you used to have to get a TV guide, determine what it was you wanted to listen to uh, or watch, excuse me, and uh, hope that your siblings would let you watch it on television because if they didn't, uh, you weren't watching it. Uh, so an alternative to live television was, of course, the VCR, which predated the DVD player, and um, that was home video. And so you would... Now, you would have a finite amount of movies in the house. Like I said, for Christmas, I would say, like, hey, you know, Aunt Sally, buy me uh, this Disney movie so I can watch it whenever I wanted. But that was very hard to own. I mean, those were very expensive. There was actually a couple different versions of VHS. There was one that um, you could buy in uh, places like Suncoast Video. Uh, you could buy them at Blockbuster, but they were always overpriced. I think eventually, you know, Walmart and uh, Kmart had their home video section and you would go buy a VHS tape for 20 or 30 bucks. Um, but there was actually another version that they would give to video stores. See, when uh, companies were selling you a VHS tape, they knew that you would pr probably only watch it 10 or 15 or maybe 20 times or so in its entire lifetime. Um, and that's why eventually they would break down. And my sister sent me a text earlier when I asked her this question, what will kids never understand? And it's hearing the VCR or the cassette player eat the tape inside of your, your uh, cassette tape if you were listening to music or your VHS tape if you were watching a movie. Uh, sometimes something would misfire and the reel that was being strewn between the, uh, between the two different like playheads, uh, sometimes something would go awry and the tape would break or it would get eaten. And uh, with any luck, you could pull it out of the cassette player and the film would still be pretty much intact and you would just use your finger to turn the little to turn the little wheels on the cassette or VHS thing. But uh, what they would do is they actually would make these VHS tapes that they would sell to Blockbuster and West Coast Video and, and places that Hollywood Video was a place, I think, at one point. Uh, but these rental houses that would give out these movies every single day and these movies would be watched not 10 times or 20 times, but uh, 150, 250, 300 times over the span of a year or so, a year or two. So the tape was actually a little bit thicker and those would always retail for about $100, I believe. Um, but yeah, it was always good to get a rental version because you knew that the tape would never break in the, uh, in the VCR. But, uh, you know, when you go into a, a movie store, it wasn't just, oh, we have a, a thousand copies of that movie. As I said, the version that was at rental houses was so much more than just home video um, that they would only have two or three or four. Uh, eventually, Blockbuster with DVD, and when Blockbuster got big, they would maybe have 20 or 30 or 40 of a certain movie. Uh, but just imagine nowadays... Uh, if the Mandalorian came out on VHS and, you know, they said how many people watched the Mandalorian, 15 million people or whatever on opening weekend. Well, um, <laughs> could you imagine if you went into your local store, be like, hi, I'm here for Mandalorian episode one. They'd be like, oh, uh, 
all the copies have been rented. You're going to have to come back tomorrow and see if someone returns them. Uh, that was real life, folks. That's the way things worked back then. There were certain movies. It was like, oh, I can't wait to watch that when it comes out. And you would go to the movie store that night and all the copies would be rented. And it would take weeks for your entire neighborhood to have seen a movie. Uh, in addition to that, there were stickers that would be on these these rental house copies. And they would say, um, be kind and rewind. Uh, what I always found was really funny. And this is like borderline not safe for work. Uh, or Not safe for kids. Safe for work. Fine. Sure. Um, is I remember renting certain movies. And uh, the guy at our movie store, Tommy, who actually may be listening to this podcast right now, he would sometimes uh, not care that the movies weren't uh, rewound all the way to the beginning. Because as we said, the, the, the film, if you will, would go from one reel to the other. And as it passed the playhead, it would play out on your television. Uh, so if you got a movie that was three hours long or the tape was three hours long because there was previews and somebody stopped watching it in the middle... And you stuck it into your VCR without realizing that you would be at the middle of the movie, at which point you have to stop it, press re- rewind and let the let the tape go all the way back to the one reel. Uh, and then you would play it. But I would always laugh because I would rent movies from West Coast Video all the time and people would not be kind and they would not rewind. Uh, and I would put it in to see where they stopped at. Um, and yeah, there was just so many times that. <laughs> I had to stop because I was like, is this, is this an appropriate story? But like, it's just real life that I remember I would rent fast times at Ridgemont high. And every single time I put it on, it would be like at the Phoebe Cates scene. And like, I imagine just that there was like a teenage boy in the household that was like, Whoa, Phoebe Kate boobs. Like, let's watch, like, let's look at them. And they would just watch it on VHS or maybe I'm just projecting. And that's what I did. But yeah, welcome to being a teenage boy. Uh, we won't get into how, how, how boys, um, see boobs nowadays it's a much different process as well but yeah you know we used to rent a vhs tape and um hopefully the store had it and you'd take it home and you would watch it and then you would rewind it and then you would have to return it that's the other part that's the one thing that kids will never understand is late fees holy moly me oh my you'd pay two or three or four bucks or whatever it was to rent a vhs tape you would go home and you would have to watch it that night because if you didn't return it sometimes it was a one-day rental a three-day rental a five-day rental I think a seven or 10 day rental they had at one point. Um, But yeah, you had to get it back there the next day. So if it was snowing or raining or you weren't planning on uh, leaving the house or, or worse off, you were leaving on vacation. um, Yeah. You, you would have to stop by the video store and drop it in the little drop box. Uh, And sometimes of course you would almost forget you had a movie, you know, like something else would come up. Somebody would come and knock for you and you'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I'm going to go out with that person. And you would go out and you would play all night. You'd come home and you'd fall asleep and you forgot you rented the movie and like the movie had to be back by 10 or 11. So you would beg mom or dad, like, can we just pay the late fee? which, you know, would be a dollar a day or whatever it is. So you could keep it for one extra day or you would try and watch it as quickly as possible. If you would wake up in the morning at seven or eight o'clock and say, oh, my gosh, I have to watch Titanic real quick, real quick, three hours and five minutes real quick. And uh, then you would take it back to the movie store. Um, but that's just something the kids will never understand. You just press the on demand button now. And for six bucks, you can pretty much watch 
any movie. It's something that was just in the theaters three to, you know, three months ago or so. That's usually when it hits on demand, right? Maybe six months for like the big releases. Um, but yeah, kids will never understand how inaccessible watching movies was back in those days. You'd have to find it in the TV guide, pray your movie store had it, um, or buy it. <laughs> Uh, let me see what some of these other responses are. I'm having fun doing this, just kind of nice and low-key um, walk down memory lane. Um, nope. Okay. You know, I love, I love the, uh, I love the spam bots on Instagram and Facebook. Right? Like, like anyone, I'll get a Facebook uh, thing notification. It would be like. Uh, Nicola Slavecki uh, is now following you. And it'd be like a real Russian name and I'll pull it up and it's this like scantily clad, beautiful Russian woman who started a profile 46 minutes ago. Then she friend requests me, right? Some sort of, again, it's a spam bot, a data miner. I don't even know what the point of these things actually are. Uh, but all I can think of is like, that's right. It's a random woman from Russia has avoided Facebook for the first 15 years of its existence. Today, she decided to sign up, and the first thing that she wants to do is friend request this handsome face, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but then I laugh because you look at these Instagram profiles and these um, these these Facebook profiles that are clearly fake and there's like 36 new friends and it's a bunch of like old creepy white guys that are commenting on the picture. Like you're so beautiful. And it's like, yeah, Larry, uh, this person has finally joined social media. They added you in the first 35 minutes and you're going to tell them how beautiful they are. Um, and, and yes, this 18 year old Russian girl is going to become your girlfriend. Uh, somebody come get grandpa. Right. So, uh, somebody commented on, on, the, the question I had on Instagram and it's, it's Maria Socialiva. Um, Ooh, here you go. I'm looking at her profile now. She's got 12 followers. She follows zero people. Uh, and of course it says, do you want to see me check out my private photos at this short URL? Uh, let's see who's following. Yeah. Just a bunch of dudes that think that, uh, Maria just joined Instagram and came right for them. They're going to fall in love. Uh, what are some of the other answers here? Uh, Sean Coleman, one of my best friends in the world, uh, has said the value of 25 cents. He ain't wrong, folks. Really, the value of the dollar in general um, will never. Um, <laughs> McCarthy just sent me a definitely not safe for work one. Um, but uh, the dollar in general, money in general, my mom and I had this conversation the other night. And, you know, I'm super forthcoming about these things. But I was basically talking about my budget. And I said, Mom, I said, my mortgage is $1,500. My health insurance is $500. My student loans are $500. Um, you know, my utilities every month, they're $500. Throw in cable and cell phone, uh, internet, uh, that's another $500. Throw in the car payments and whatnot, it's another $500. You're talking two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month to exist. Um, and then I, I, I work hard, I make that money, and all pretty much all of it walks out of the door. Uh, and it, it kids, I mean, so obviously I don't, I understand the value of a dollar, but I don't know what it's like when my parents' generation, when, you know, my mom bought her house for like $12,000, which was the equivalent of like uh, a year and a half's worth of salary or something, you know, like the yeah, the challenges of youth when it comes to money, the fact that they 
have to pay two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month in bills. It's hardly sustainable. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen to the future of, I don't know, home ownership, car ownership. Will there become a new alternative? Because again, if you're buying one of these nice new cars, depending on how much you can put down, how much it is, and what your credit is, you're looking at a car payment, you know, between $225 and, uh, I see some of these commercials. It's like financing starting at four ninety nine a month. I'm like, dude, if I had $500 a month to spend on a car, uh, you know, just one vehicle, I would have a pretty nice car, you know, and then you got insurance for that. So you're talking above $500 for some people. Uh, but I think the average person is probably paying in their household. Maybe they have two cars, one car payment, and the insurance for it. So you're talking five, 600 bucks. Um, I mean, that is insane. If, if somebody only makes $10 an hour, okay, it's more than one week's worth of untaxed wages. Uh, that's, that's, that's how much it costs to own a car. So if you make $20 an hour, um, what is that? You make 800 bucks a week. Okay, cool. That this week is pretty much usurped by your car payment and your, uh, your insurance. And I don't know if older generations realize that that when actually, when I got back from Florida, I wrote on the board, okay, boomer. And I, I talked to my students. I was like, what do you think this means? Cause like, I just see goofy memes about it on Instagram. I don't even really know what it means, but I, 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 to me, it's like, all right, old people, like you don't even understand. And I feel like that's one of the things that they don't understand is, uh, when I was explaining to my mom the other night, she's like, if I just had 50 more dollars a month, I could live so comfortably. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I just need like 1500 more a month in order to live comfortably. Um, and that's my mom's entire bills are probably $1,500 because, you know, these older folks that have paid off their homes or they get their health insurance through work, they're not independent contractors or whatever. Um, they'll just never understand the cost of living. And then, of course, the student loan debt. Uh, which a lot of people from previous generations didn't have to go to college. And in a lot of ways now, young people do. And um, yeah, sorry guys, but you're going to be paying, you know, three to $800 a month for your student loans. But that's just the way that the world is nowadays. Um, let me see what other answers I got here. Um, all right, we got Damien's, we got John Gillen's, we got Sean Coleman's. Uh, we got Jim Morris's. We got Vanessa's. Uh, my friend Kate here says, why we say hang up the phone. Um, yes, obviously, we, we went over the phone stuff a little bit, but um, you would have the phone to your ear and you'd have the dial tone. And yes, you would have to hang it up on the wall, um, which is, I guess, kind of weird. Uh, another one just came in from my buddy, Eddie, and he said vinyl. Now, uh, if you have been following my Instagram or my Facebook, you know, vinyl is something that my kids will know about, right? I got 840 kids over at the high school that uh, I try and make a small impact wherever I can with each and every one of them. And I'm actually in charge now of our TV studio slash media center and for all the cool things we have in there, right? We have 360 cameras. We got some IMAX in there. Um, the kids gravitate towards the vinyl records and the, the record player. Now the record player, and this is that analog thing we were talking about a little bit with like VCR and VHS, the analog portion where something is physically, uh, you know, a ribbon or a film or a reel. Um, so with the vinyl player, there was a little motor that would spin and it would hold on to the center of the, of the turntable via 
usually some sort of little rubber band type cord and it would be the proper amount of tightness and it would spin the record at the appropriate speed. Uh, and you'd obviously put the little needle on the record to this day. I don't even know if I can properly explain how that works. Um, but, uh, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to just walk down memory lane a little bit. So, uh, the kids always see the record player, but the problem is that little rubber band between the motor and the center of the turntable that actually turns the record, uh, it is broken. So I, I do think I'm going to order my kids a vinyl record player uh, so they can listen to records while they edit in my little media studio, which I've recently redone in the past month or so since the last time I talked to you guys. Uh, but I love the idea of vinyl. I love that physical media. I guess that's really a good way of opening it up to talking about the way music is consumed nowadays uh, comes as no surprise. We just listen through our phones, right? I have Spotify premium. I have access to pretty much every single song in existence, uh, commercial free, relatively good quality. I can throw it to my, to my Amazon thing or my computer right from the app. I just click what speakers I want to hear it on. I love uh, once you make it, I can't remember if it's in Spotify or if it's in Amazon, that you make a grouping. So like my various Alexis throughout the house, I have five or six of them. Um, they can form a network and all play the same song at the same time. So on my Spotify uh, app, when I say play everywhere, it plays that song on every single speaker in my house. And I love that because I'm oftentimes up and up and down the steps and working a little bit out back, then running inside to the garage, so on and so forth. Uh, but kids will never know. My friend Laurie was over here tonight. We're actually uh, working on some cool business stuff for 2020. And um, Laurie was saying about how much she missed midnight releases of CDs and early morning ticket sales for concerts. You know, just the concert thing. You used to not be able, you'd have to call in. But again, we talked about how antiquated the whole phone system was in the up until the early 2000s, uh, you'd have to call in. You wouldn't be able to go on a website, so your only other option was to camp out physically outside of a store so when they opened their doors in the morning, you could run right up to the ticket counter. Uh, you could do it at the venue, uh, but we were talking about doing it at like Boscov's department stores. Imagine if you went into Target to buy your Justin Bieber tickets. Um, is Bieber still touring? I don't know. I feel like I'm dating myself there, but... Um, yeah, that's that's the way you used to have to get concert tickets. And with music, it was great. We had Tower Records right up on the boulevard here in Philadelphia. And pretty much every Monday night or every other Monday night, my sister and her now husband, Jimmy, who she's been with for 25 years, I went to their anniversary celebration. Um, they would take me there. And at midnight, they would reopen the doors. The store would close at like 10. They would bring out all the new music. They'd reopen at midnight for a half hour and you'd be able to go in and buy all of the CDs of the bands that were coming out with new CDs. So imagine going in there and buying the Post Malone album and then running to your car, if your car had a CD player, because again, we're going back in time here. They didn't really have CD players. Not all cars did until the mid to late 90s. So a lot of times you would, um, I love the one thing, and again, I can't even explain the technology, but if you only had a tape deck in your car, there was a fake tape that had a wire on it. And on the other side of the wire is like the eighth inch jack, uh, which is like popper. It's pretty much called the headphone jack, right? 
Uh, that's another thing kids will never know. <laughs> Headphone jacks, because phones don't have them anymore. They have their own proprietary thing, like the iPhone headphones has the the thunder port thing or whatever, uh, or they just have wireless headphones. But yes, back in the day, 25 years ago, uh, you would stick a fake tape that had a wire coming out of it into your tape deck in your car. The wire via the headphone jack would connect into the the disc man and you would, the disc man was, uh, was the CD Walkman. Okay. So that made, that made CDs portable. Now the one fatal flaw of this is, uh, you would walk around when you had a CD playing, but if your disc man moved too much, the physical CD that was spinning inside of the disc man would skip, uh, we see now runners all the time running, like listening to their music with their headphones. Maybe that's why running is more popular now than it was 20 years ago. Uh, but you couldn't run with a disc man. That just didn't work. Um, but so, yeah, that's how you would go and get your music. You'd have to go to a store and buy an actual CD. And you were just like totally committed at that point. Even if you only liked one song from the band, it was just like, well, I'm going to buy their whole album because who knows? They could be the next big thing. Uh, and oftentimes they were not. A lot of times you would just buy the album and listen to the same song over and over and over again. Uh, so later, that amount of discs that you had purchased, uh, uh, one disc drive was no longer good enough. You know how like in your PlayStation, you just stick in the one disc. Uh, later, they came out with disc changers and you would actually place three or five discs into a CD player. Uh, as a matter of fact, later in life, I remember I had a 101 disc CD changer, uh, which was crazy. Uh, I put all 101 CDs in there and I guess I would have to remember which album was which number. And I would go to disc number 41 track 13 or whatever to get to Rob Zombie's, uh, living dead girl. Uh, you know, Rob Zombie actually was probably, uh, uh, higher in the list and living dead girl probably was not number 13 on the album. Uh, that would be pretty late in the album for a bona fide hit. Um, but yes, you would accumulate a massive amount of CDs, uh, based a lot of times on one hit wonders, or sometimes you had good albums like Hellbilly deluxe, the aforementioned Rob zombie album, where you would listen to the whole thing constantly. Uh, one of those albums for me back in the day, just remembering my life was three eleven. Uh, and I think it was just the album that was called 311. It was like a blue cover, uh, but I could listen to that beginning to end. I liked the whole thing. I really loved, loved, loved 311 at one point. Um, as a matter of fact, we were kind of talking recently, my sister and I, about how many bands we've seen. Because like festivals, what you pay for like one concert ticket now, where it's uh, one of my students just told me they were going to see Post Malone. It was going to cost about $170. Uh, back in my day, kids, uh, we would have like the Y100 Festival where there would be like 32 bands and you would just pay pretty much the same price that you would pay for your average concert, maybe a little bit more, but it wasn't astronomical. Uh, and you would get to see 10 or 20 pretty good bands, you know, maybe maybe five really big ones, five up and comers. Uh, and they would just have these all day festivals. Now it's obviously they still have Coachella and Bonnaroo and things like that. But those things are very expensive. Uh, they used to go on tours. I mean, Warp Tour is a thing of the past, right? Uh, Warp Tour and Lollapalooza used to travel around and you would get to see multiple bands in one day for a pretty reasonable price in your area. 
uh, loved, loved that. But it's cool, man, because I got to see like Green Day, Weezer, Blink-182, Foo Fighters. Uh, Pearl Jam was always too big for those festivals, like the local touring festivals. Um, but uh, yeah, I got to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bands for a relatively affordable price. And again, it was kind of cool because it was like a unique experience where you might only be able to afford to go to Bonnaroo once. Um once a year, right? You only go to one festival a year and you keep going back to the same campground and it's the same crowd kind of. And, uh, I loved the unique nature of going to a bunch of different concerts at a bunch of different venues. Cause you know, I live in Philly where there's like a ton of concert venues, um, and just see multiple bands in one day, I guess country music kind of still does that, but like, I'm not a country music guy. Uh, but the days of rock and roll bands teaming up, and giving you 10 or 15 or 20 bands for a very affordable price. Um, I don't know. As I started to get through that whole little tirade, I was like, oh, you know, I think this stuff does still exist. But again, I'm just remembering my youth and seeing all of those uh, wonderful bands at those concerts. So, yeah, I mean, that that's another huge way that the world has changed is music, right? Uh, you now just have everything on your phone. And I know that's kind of the long and short of this whole, like how has the world changed kind of discussion is it's all just on your phone. Uh, but I don't know. I, I really like thinking back on those times. Uh, let's see some of these other things that Jen has for me. Um, okay. Yeah. I mentioned a lot of this stuff uh, and let's see, I know McCarthy had <laughs> a lot. Um, he was sidetracked, man. There's so much rewinding tapes. Got it. Uh, waiting to record songs on the radio. Ah, yes. Uh huh. So like if you couldn't afford music, uh, there was free music. So the first form of piracy was not downloading things through BitTorrent or even Napster is you would have your blank tape and you would have it in your cassette player and your cassette player could record and you would have the radio on all day and you would like call in and you would say like, Hey, uh, Y 100, I want you guys to play Oasis Wonderwall. And if you didn't have enough money to buy, what's the story morning glory or whatever album Wonderwall was on, or if that was the only song you really liked on it, uh, you could, which would be crazy because that's a great album. Um, but, uh, you would have your cassette tape, your blank cassette tape in your tape player and you would call into Y100, you would make the request to the real DJ and, uh, or an intern, as I later learned, uh, not to take away the luster from radio contests, but I remember being at a Philadelphia radio station filming something and the DJ just would pick up the phone and be like, your caller 82, your caller 31. Your caller 96. And I'm like, what the heck, man? He's like, yeah, we don't really keep count. We just randomly select someone. Um, but, you know, that was for concert, uh, for a contest when you would call into the radio. And now you just text everything. Uh, but, yes, you would call in and say, hi, uh, can I hear Wonderwall by Oasis? And you would hope that it was coming up. So you would stay by your tape player. And when you started to hear the beginning of Wonderwall, you would press record and you would record it off of the radio. Now, a couple of bad things could happen, like the DJ's voice getting into the cut, like the beginning of Wonderwall has like a couple, uh, a couple guitar progressions, whatever. I'm not a musician. Uh, it's instrumental basically. So a lot of times the DJ be like, all right, this one's going out to uh, Ryan in Northeast Philadelphia uh, for the love of his life in sixth grade. Uh, it's Wonderwall by Oasis. But he would start to play the song underneath of him, kind of like we do in this podcast, like we did in the intro and the outro. Uh, 
and on your darn mixtape, you would hear the DJ and you'd be like, darn it, that's not a clean cut. Uh, then, of course, too, what would naturally happen because you didn't know what was coming on next. You would be like in your siblings room and the radio would be playing in your room. And all of a sudden you would hear the being a wonder wall and you would have to sprint into the room. There was no way to rewind it because you're listening via radio airwaves as radio still is to this day. Um, uh, and you would have to press record as quickly as possible. And most of the time you would miss the first two or three seconds. It was always very satisfying when you got um, <laughs> the perfect recording without the DJ's voice uh, starting right at the beginning of the song. And then later, uh, if you were making a mixtape uh, for you know your sixth grade girlfriend or whoever, you would record from one tape to another and. It wasn't like like this podcast, right? We're at the uh, 51 minute mark. I don't even necessarily have to listen to this. I am just going to save it and send it to Greg. Uh, but if I had to edit it before when it was all analog editing, I would literally have to sit here and this version, the raw version would be on one tape. Okay. And it's funny, man, because I got into media 15 years ago, right out of high school, and we we were still doing some tape-to-tape editing uh, for an NFL team. I actually was the one that turned us over to digital. Uh, go me. Uh, they won an Emmy the year after I left, too. I'll always be, I'll always be mad about that. Um, but this version would be on one cassette tape, and then I'd have a blank cassette tape. And on the first tape, what I would have to do is... Uh, I would have to put in the intro music that I had recorded for the Ion Ryan show. You know, my British girl, welcome to the Ion Ryan show, a satellite to obtain the world. Uh, and I'd record that onto the blank tape and then I would press pause and then I would change the tape and I would put in this, the, the raw cut of my voice and my wonderful ramblings. And then I would have to let it play for 52 minutes while this recorded onto the other tape. Uh, and then I would put the TJ Kong and the Atomic Bomb outro music, which would require a fourth tape now in this process, which had the TJ Kong music on it. And I'd record it over to the other version. I would then have to go deliver the cassette tape to Greg um, because, you know, there was no Internet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the art of making a mixtape. Let's see what else McCarthy has here for me. Um, not being able to use the Internet and being on the phone at the same time. Yes. Uh, and then yeah, he, he sent a one a one word text, which I love map quest. Yes. Before we all had GPS kids, we used to have to go on the Internet and type in an address and then print out the directions. Now, we're only going back 10, 15 years for that, maybe 20 years. Uh, but before that, before MapQuest, before we could all get on the Internet and type in an address and get turn by turn directions, you would just actually have to know where you were going. You would have to know, have a general idea of what was north, what was south when you got on this road. Was it going to take you here, take you there? You'd have to stop and ask for directions. You know, you'd go to the local gas station because you figured those guys knew the area and met a lot of travelers and say, uh, listen, I don't really know where I'm at. You would literally just not even know where you were at. You would have no clue and you would have really no way of finding out other than stopping and asking someone. Could you imagine nowadays if you're just standing there in your local convenience store and someone goes, uh, excuse me, where are we? I literally don't know where I am. You would call the police, uh, but on a routine basis, you would have to go into your local gas station, not your local gas station because you're traveling. I'm sorry. Uh, and you would have to say, excuse me, uh, where am I? And they would say, uh, sir, you are in uh, Schwanksville, Pennsylvania. It's a Schwanksville. I'm looking for Quakertown, Pennsylvania. And, and, and I don't know where I'm at. 
And they would say, okay, well, you got to go uh, east for that. So what you're going to do is you're going to go out on this road. Okay. You're going to go up six lights. One, two, three, four, five, six lights. Or they may say, you're going to go up a mile and a half and then you're going to make a right. Okay. And then you're going to go past, uh, you're going to go past two gas stations, two more gas stations for about 15 minutes. And, and you would have to remember all this, or you'd have to write it all down. Um, and that was life before GPS kids will never understand. (laughs) Um, so, uh, let's see, needing a physical copy of a video game instead of the one you're downloading. Yeah. I mean, that's one right there. Uh, A lot of times, that goes back to a lot of the other stuff we were talking about here today about, uh, I remember renting video games. That was always an interesting thing. I talk about the, the, the Phoebe Kate scene that somehow, some way all the fast times of Ridgemont high VHS tapes were left on. Um, well back in the day, uh, Nintendo 64, you'd be able to rent a finite amount of games from your local video game store, uh, video rental store. They had a little video game section. Uh, and remember on 64, the information saved to the cartridge. So it was always cool if you were able to get GoldenEye uh, and if you were able to get a copy from someone who had already beaten the game and unlocked all of the special features like DK mode and whatnot, all of that stuff would live on on the uh, the actual cartridge. It would save to the actual cartridge. Uh, now everything is stored in the cloud or on your system. I just saw PlayStation uh, PlayStation 4 Pro for uh, one, it had one terabyte. It was three hundred dollars. It was one of those Black Friday deals. Uh, but it's like an infinite amount of storage on your system now. So if you if you took your Spider-Man disc over to a friend's house, it wouldn't have the information. But if you brought your memory card, or if you had Nintendo sixty four and it was a cartridge, uh, you would indeed have all of your save files on there. So that was always kind of fun to see. You could kind of guess, especially in the wrestling games with all the custom guys. Uh, people would have the game for a weekend on N64 and they would make a bunch of custom players and then they would return the game and you would inherit it and you would see, you know, Joey lightning and you're like, Oh, I wonder if that's my friend Joey from around the corner. And you would wait, you would wait until Monday. Uh, you would wait for school and you would then ask him like, Hey, did you rent, uh, uh, WCW versus NWO, uh, uh, revenge? And he would say, yeah, I did. I said, Oh, I saw your creative character. That was pretty cool, man. Um, <laughs> So, yes, needing a physical copy for a video game, The Art of the Mixtape, uh, needing to catching a show when it was on or you just didn't see it. Again, McCarthy's spot on. We had talked about stuff like that. Uh, and his final one, like I said, is hilariously vulgar. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's my, I mean, that, that that's kind of my time here. Uh, we like to keep these things around about an hour. I said I'm, I'm happy that I was able to um, get back to podcasting this week. Uh, I've just been super stressed out with life in general right now. Um, I've had so much stuff on my plate, but I texted Greg and Sean tonight. I said, you guys mind if I like get back to podcasting? So it was cool. It was a nice little reflection. Um, like I said, I won't be here on my birthday, but I will be back on the 17th of December. And, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for walking down memory lane. I hope you guys learned stuff or at the very least just remembered stuff, you know, and I hope now this will prompt the conversation with some friends over the course of the week over some, sim, you know, the simpler times. Uh, I'm actually going to uh, 
in light of how interesting my life has been, in light of this little walk down memory lane, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to leave you guys with uh, Dr. Dog. It's a song called Living a Dream. It's about five minutes or so. Uh, the final two and a half minutes is a poem. It's like spoken word. I know this doesn't sound cool, but I swear it is. Uh, if you've never listened to the band Dr. Dog, I highly recommend them. Um, let me pull up some of their album titles. I'll tell you the exact ones that I think you should be listening to. Uh, Dr. Dog, uh, Shame, Shame, and Fate are my two favorite Dr. Dog albums. But on one of their earlier discs, and I don't even know how I found this. I've surely downloaded it and did not buy the physical CD because this is like post-2010. Uh, they have a song called Living a Dream. It's available on Spotify, and that's what I'm leaving you here with. And again, it's kind of dreary at first, but I do love the poem at the end. I love in particular the one line that says, uh, some people think we're moving uh, towards something, but I think we're moving from something. Uh, and I think that that just sums up life in so many ways. So I will be back on the 17th, gang. Uh, we're probably going to do a lot of talking about Star Wars because excitement will be at a fever pitch at that time. Uh, but thank you all so much for letting me be your podcast host and getting you to work or a friend's house or getting you through the work day. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Remember, follow along on Instagram. That's where I'm most active, Ion Ryan, I-O-N-R-Y-A-N. Uh, and you can answer questions like this that I put out and uh, potentially be a little featured on the podcast. Uh, peace. Don't forget to tune in this Friday for a new episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. And next week for MRC Tech Presents, The Last Podcast. 